Our central banks coming to the end of their aggressive monetary tightening. Uh, this week, I'm speaking to Ollie Harwood, investment manager from Quilter Cheviot, on this week's episode of the Expat Investor Podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify or whichever platform you're listening to us on, uh, so you can keep up to date with the latest episodes. Also, don't forget to head over to our social medias. Give us a follow there too for all the latest news from Skybound. As always, I'm Tom Putris, and uh, well, just a big thank you, Ollie. Thanks for joining me, mate. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, good to, to have you here. Um, how are you visiting Dubai? How's the trip so far? Yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, it's really nice. I'm, I'm normally in the the well, what's very wet and cold Jersey climate at the moment. So yeah, nice to be out in the heat. I was going to say you've, you guys you've actually well. just missed the. Uh, the rain. I've We've heard. had rain. I've right? heard. The and rain wasn't good at all. And the flooding um, was horrendous. And well, the flooding was horrendous. Yeah. And to be fair, in Dubai, we get a couple of days a year where it is a little bit wet. Um, but this this January was horrible. Um, and we've had quite a few visitors from the UK over the month and the standing joke was they brought the rain. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I can uh, tell you, you, you haven't been missing out. So, uh, no, <laughs> no we're, nice we're, I think uh, it's funny that we, there's a, a popular social media channel called Love in Dubai on, yeah. um, on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and um, lots of people sending videos in of, uh, you know, we complain about the summers, but where is the sun yeah. kind of scenario. Yeah, well, I, yeah, for once my pale complexion, <laughs> I, I, I fit in with the Fit quite in, fit yeah, quite normally in. got a nice tan, Tom, so um, but good to see you. Um, look, uh, we, you know, we've discussed this on the podcast time and time again over the last couple of months, but, yep. you know, a rocky 2022 for stock markets, Absolutely. the worst um, since 2008. Um, but are you feeling good about the positive start to this year that we've seen so far or what? Yeah, well, I think just before we came on the podcast, we were discussing, actually, it's quite nice to come here with... I suppose a degree of positivity. Yeah. Uh, last year was a tough year. Uh, it was a tough year for clients. It was a tough year for sure. us in the industry as well. You know, you, you absolutely say it right there. Equity markets were falling, and where normal safe harbour was on fixed income, that just wasn't there last yeah. year. And really, we've had this discussion many times throughout the course of the year that alternatives cash was the only real place to hide. So yeah, it's it's nice to see the issue starting to show signs of abating. I yeah. don't think we're there yet, but look, this green shoots coming. Sure, uh, sort of light at the end of the tunnel is. And probably one is, of the uh, best starts for a year in terms of January returns that we've seen. You know, take the US for example, and mm. the US and global. You know, January can be a bit of a rocky time anyway because we have earnings season, mm -hmm. right? And we've yeah. got major corporations coming out telling us what they've done in Q4 and mm -hmm. and year on year results. Yeah. And um, I think if you look at the chart for the S&P over the last five years or so, you've always had this blip end of December or somewhere in January yeah. where you've got the ABCs of the world then coming out and giving their earnings. And it, because of how analysts really put an over-reliance on forecasts probably, yeah. um, you know, we've seen quite significant market volatility over the last few years. Yeah. But I think this quarter, is it fair to say that, I don't know, forecasts were probably a bit more modest given your global events of last year? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think if we cast our minds back to 22, we, we've touched on market performance. It was yeah. a very, very bad year for markets. But actually, um, we look at economies and it wasn't actually a bad year for economies. There was yeah. a degree of growth. Um, we still were living off that post-COVID boom. Um, so like I say, bad year for, for, the, for the markets, fairly good year for economies. Okay. As we've come into this year, um, and well, as we learned throughout the, the course of 2022, 
that the good times in the economy was coming to an end and we yeah. were going to see a slowdown. So we understood that. But I think inflation got to a level which we didn't expect it to get to and the, yeah. the, the sort of subsequent response from the central banks was a lot harder and a lot faster than anyone could have perceived, uh, perceived and it, even the central banks themselves. If we right. cast our minds back to the beginning of last year, you know, the, the, the inflation was going to be transitory. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we have seen that parts of inflation has been transitory, yeah. but there have been parts, the labour market, the, the sort of wage growth, wages have been very, very sticky. That, that, that side of inflation has Fair been enough. very, very sticky. Before we, before we jump into that a bit further, yeah. um, Ollie, let's just, if people don't know who Quilt Achievia are, you know, we had our um, chief strategist, Jabir, um, who gave us a really good look back on 2022 and his outlook for 2023. But before we jump into that, just remind our listeners or educate our listeners, what is it that Quilt Achievia do? Yeah, that's a good, good point. And essentially, we are investment managers. Okay. That, that is what we do. Um, we run discretionary portfolios uh, on behalf of yourselves yeah. uh, and, and your clients. We work very, very closely with you, as, as you know. Uh, but our job day to day is to look at the markets. We work alongside our investment research team. Uh, there's a, a strong team of 25 analysts that sit in London and our head office in London. Okay. Um, and they just focus on the day to day of looking at these stocks, uh, these companies, these funds, and giving us, myself, as an investment manager, giving us yeah. all the tools and resources that we need to adapt the portfolios um, to look forward to uh, the, the year ahead and make sure that the portfolios are aligned. One, to meet the client's objectives, yeah. of course, yeah. uh, but two, to achieve the level of growth that we'd perceive okay. and, uh, to, be, to be the right for them. As an investment manager then at QC, um, well, what does it actually entail? I mean, are you... Is it like watching the, the movies and yeah. are you there banging on the phone and pressing buttons at left, right and centre on the stock market desks? Or, you know, what what, what, is your, what would a day-to-day look like for you? Yeah, I think, I think the only sort of resemblance we can take from the movies is that we, that we have Bloomberg screens, okay. we have phones, we have keyboards. <laughs> but yeah, there's no... Uh, yeah, so you've no got the chart, of, right? Exactly, but probably exactly. not the level of intensity. Yeah, you're not a, yeah. I think it's probably fair to say you're not a stockbroker, right? Exactly. So you haven't got that. Yeah, that we, 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 aren't, we aren't trading uh, in terms of day trading. We don't look at that. We look at the longer term. But myself as an investment manager, and the reason why I love the job is, one, I get to look at the investments. So I get to analyze the markets, the investments we're investing in. Mm. But also, I also manage uh, the relationship as well. So yeah. we cover both. And I think that I think that's great. We're at the coalface in terms of the investments. So we take ownership of what's in the portfolio, the portfolio performance, mm. alongside our sort of centralized investment process yeah. and our team of analysts. But also we sit down and work with the clients. And I think that's key because we have a deep understanding of what they're looking for, the mm. risk profile, the objectives, uh, sort of ability to bear loss. But then we also know based on that, what needs to go in the portfolio to achieve yeah. that as well. Okay. Um, so I think it's fair to say with all the research that comes your way, and I know QC have a huge emphasis, you just mentioned there, you know, you're surrounded by 25 analysts yeah. that, um, again, for anybody out there that doesn't know, the role of an analyst is, um, you know, bringing research together to put in front of you, right? Um, so I think it's uh, fairly safe to say that you've probably got a good idea of what's going on in the world um, and what could potentially be moving markets. So that big question we started the, the podcast with today, are central banks coming to the end of this aggressive tightening? It's also worth noting that the Bank of England raised interest rates last week by 50 basis points, so half, half a percent. Yeah. Um, the Fed, again, still increasing interest rates. Not at the yeah. rate that they were, 25 basis points. Um, and the ECB still yeah. you know, heading towards a 4% yeah. rate. Yeah. Um, so what is going on, Ollie? <laughs> is this coming to the end or not? Uh, well, I mean, look, we're closer than where we were 
last year, towards the back end of last year, we think, and the, and the sort of general consensus with economists uh, in the world at the moment, uh, is that we are very, very close to that peak uh, in interest rates. The expectation at the moment in the market is that the, uh, the Fed will get to 5%. Okay, we're very close there. Um, that there'll probably be sort of two more rises uh, in the US. Now that isn't a certainty. Uh, right. If you listen, I was listening to CNBC this morning, uh, and commentators on there were expecting actually the terminal rate to go to five point two five percent. So wow. we we aren't there yet, but we're very very close to there. And okay. what's very, very important now is to listen to the rhetoric that come from central bankers. And you mentioned the ECB, you mentioned the Bank of England, uh, and you mentioned the Fed, of course. Most of them, and especially Andrew Bailey and Jerome Powell, the, the heads of their respective um, mm. banks, have both said that they are seeing signs of disinflation, which yeah. is very positive to see. And that's why the markets actually have, have rallied uh, yeah. over the course of this month, because we are seeing data points that are out there to support that inflation could potentially be coming down. And it has come down from the peak uh, that we saw uh, throughout. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we touched on this with Jabir a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. There was light at the end of last year. Yeah. Q4 was a, well, frankly, huge rallies. You know, yeah. some, some parts of the world entering bull markets, yeah. right? You know, yeah. you know, Asia and emerging markets yep. um, as a result of that potential disinflation or that, you know, that reduction Absolutely. in the in inflation rate, both at headline and core. And core's mm -hmm. got its own challenges because the prices of things like um, mortgages are going yep. up with these interest rate rises and that's being passed on to renters, mm -hmm. et cetera, right? Um, and those two potentially not quite in sync yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what a really interesting question is, is, what does this all mean for listeners out there? You know, how are these interest rate hikes actually impacting their lives? Yeah, it, 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 you know what? It's a great question because we do hear there's a lot of talk about inflation, what's it doing? And actually, I had a discussion with somebody this morning. What's that actually mean for us and the yeah. consumer? And it's it, essentially the cost of your debt goes up, becomes more expensive. So okay. you mentioned mortgages. That's, yeah. a, that's a great example to use. As interest rates go up, now, mortgage rates will go up if you're on a tracker mortgage. Yeah. Now, those of us that were clever enough um, to, to fix that, and actually we saw that in the US. Yeah. If we look at data in the US, 80% of mortgage holders have a 30-year fixed mortgage at the low rates that we had over the last few years. Yeah, so very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. Yeah. So they're buffeted, actually. Yeah. We haven't got that. Well, that sort of degree of safety in the UK, a yeah. lot more are traditional, much shorter exactly, periods, much right. shorter periods, and some are even still on the fixed, uh, sorry, sorry, tracker rates. Yeah, where consumers might also see an increase is credit cards. Yes, so if they're short term paying, debt, exactly. Right. So interest rates as they move up from the banks, Bank of England, the Fed, ECB, the rates they are paying on the debt that they've got on credit cards will also rise as well. So it's not all negative though. We have to remember there are some positives. Yeah, we know that cash in a bank was earning absolutely nothing for many, True. many years. True. So consumers are also earning some interest on what's in the bank. So that's why we see a slowdown in economy. Okay. One, people actually want to save a little bit more. There's a little bit more uncertainty, so they're quite happy to leave that money in the bank. Yeah. And also, too, they might not be able to afford the repayments on their houses, for example, or indeed their credit card debt uh, as well. That makes sense. Look, some really good things to look out there for. So, you know, short-term debt, try and squash it. Yeah. You've got cash in the bank. Good news for you. You know, you're getting some... Uh, some interest on it, which is a, well, frankly, a novelty in comparison exactly. to the last decade. Yeah. Um, look, I think one thing, you know, in terms of people's lives out there and what's going on, I think that one thing that's become apparent at the start of this year, and especially in the US, is, is the job market. Um, we have seen a number of companies 
primarily in the tech space announced job cuts. You know, yesterday Zoom came out, mm. 1,300 jobs, uh, CEO reducing his pay packet, um, all executives, you know, no bonuses this year kind of scenario. But again, your Googles, your Amazon, Salesforce, the list goes on of the people that, that have had their uh, jobs lost, and, and that is not a nice position to be in, right? No. But the numbers aren't reflecting this. Um, Ollie, the, the US jobs results last week suggest that they've now got the lowest unemployment since the 1960s. Yep. And well, frankly, in my mind, when I think about people being employed and people being paid, um, that can't be a good thing for inflation. No. no, is that not? I mean, surely that's going to hold the Fed up and other central banks as to making these decisions in the future? Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a great point to highlight. And I, I suppose just touching on sort of Zoom, Zoom and Amazon, that essentially why we're seeing, or what, what we perceive is why they're seeing cuts there within those companies. Those are two of the companies which benefited hugely from the COVID yeah. lockdowns. We know, well, myself, you Tom as well, I was sat behind my desk at home, For not sure, in the office. Yeah. <laughs> How did I communicate? It was Zooms, it was Microsoft Teams. Yeah. People need, the, well, those companies need to get more people in uh, to, to sort of deal with that demand. Yeah. Same with Amazon, I know how many sort of, uh, Parcels, food, we're getting delivered. toiletries, exactly. everything. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a yeah. change in uh, consumer behaviour, so which is why they needed to sort of create those jobs. Now that that's uh, demands falling away, unfortunately, people are losing their jobs as a yeah. result of that. But coming back to your question about inflation and, and jobs, you're absolutely right. Jerome Powell's comments commented on it. The UK has got a real tight labour market as well, so it's yeah. an issue in the UK um, um, too. And it's one thing they're keeping a very, very keen eye on. You mentioned the jobs are plentiful. And actually, last week, we saw uh, jobs data released on Friday in the US. And it surprised sort of threefold. Uh, the crazy. expectation was about 180,000 or so estimated. Um, and it was over 500,000 jobs that were created <laughs> on that Friday. I have to say, when I saw that number, the headline number, I did... Uh, I did worry. worry. So slightly, Friday was going to see a big sell-off. Yeah. I did indeed, because Jerome Powell's been very strong that he needs to see a sort of um, loosening in that market. Yeah. But what was very, very important and what we look at and what they look at is uh, wage growth. Okay. So what we see, and, and when I say wage growth, it's essentially consumers earning more, employees yeah. earning more money month on month, okay. um, which will feed into inflation because sure. they are earning more money, they feel more secure, they might go out and buy the new suit, or they feel that they can afford their mortgage that has increased, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So wage inflation actually dropped. It dropped to 0.3% month on month. Right, okay. It had been 0.4% the month before. So that actually gave the market a little bit of... Confidence, confidence yeah, 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 absolutely. That if we can keep more people in work with mm. these jobs that are clearly plentiful, mm. but wage growth slows or even decreases, then that will feed into inflation coming yeah. down as well. Because it's that area that's been quite sticky. Yeah, the, yeah. the sort of housing which we've touched on, but that is showing signs of, of falling back. Um, but it's been the wage growth uh, inflation. That makes that sense. So whilst there might be more people in employment, or, or yeah. certainly more jobs out there for the unemployed to take up. Um, people aren't necessarily getting paid more to do them or that, that exactly. increase in wage isn't occurring as quickly as it was, mm -hmm. um, which then starts to right-size itself with inflation and, yeah. and bring those two factors back into line, I guess, really. Exactly. And there has been a... The jobs market is quite a, an intricate market and you need to look underneath the headline numbers. Okay. Because people were achieving 
wage growth if mm. they left their job. People weren't afraid to leave their job. Yeah. So we saw a lot of churn in the market. A, a great example we had was um, sort of through the course of last year, the beginning of last year, McDonald's were actually paying people 50 bucks. To yeah, I remember, right? I was in the yeah. US and I'll tell you a funny story. We were in the US, um, we went skiing in Salt Lake City over Christmas of, of 2021. Yeah. And the just job adverts yeah. in kind of the restaurant industry. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And not enough servers. At, you know, we went for dinner at the Cheesecake Factory, for yes, example. Yeah. Took us like 45 minutes after we sat down yeah. to order because yeah. there just isn't enough people to, in that job role. Exactly. Right? Um, exactly. And, and that's been crazy. Felt, it, that's been felt in, in the UK predominantly as a result of Brexit. Right. Uh, a lot of the sort of uh, workforce left yeah. uh, the UK. Uh, so they have been struggling to sort of fill that role there, which is why there's quite a, an issue with the labour market, why it's quite tight yeah. uh, in the UK. That's so, so, so interesting. I think one word, um, or a big word, let's say a, a big word, um, on many people's lips this year is recession. Mm -hmm. um, or bigger yet, global recession. Yeah. And you touched on it um, earlier on, Ollie. Last year was actually a good year for economies. Mm -hmm bad year for markets. Yeah. This year, it looks like we're going to see a bad year for economies. Yeah. Is that, I mean, what's your thoughts? Is that likely? I mean, how, <laughs> how, how likely is this word of recession? Because, you know, for people who were working in 2008, it was a bloodbath. Yeah. People were out of work, no money, mm. losing mortgages, losing homes. It was a disaster. It was. What's your, what's your thoughts was. this time around? And, and actually, that's a great point uh, and a great place to start is if we look back and compare to that time, I think the base case, if I start there, the base case is a recession will come. Yeah. Um, but the severity of that recession, we think the risks to that have decreased since uh, the last, well, over the last three months. If we compare it back to 0708, we can look at the mortgage rates in the US, as I mentioned before, 80% on a 30 rate yeah. fixed mortgage. That gives a hell of a lot of people mm. a lot of protection to what is happening in terms of interest rates. Yeah. If we do see losses, and we probably will see some loan losses, etc., the banks are in a much more stable position now to withstand that. Right. Essentially, their rainy day pot is much bigger than what it was if we look back. As a result of 2008, I think. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. A lot of regulation, a lot of scrutiny has gone into that. Uh, and, and banks across the world, not just the US, uh, are in a much more stronger position. Yeah. Europe was the big worry last year, uh, okay. towards the back end of last year. We've had countries like Germany flitting in and out of recession yeah. without it being kind of a headline. It, exactly, recession. exactly. And it, it, there was a fear that, that the winter months could um, be the kickstart to a quite a deep recession within right. the European uh, region. But not sure why, they, they were quite lucky, uh, yeah. potentially. A lot of people, though, they had their skiing holidays ruined yes. because the, the winter there was very mild. Mild, so very. December was quite warm. Um, there were periods where it was cold, mm. I'll attest to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, December and January were quite mild. Yeah. Uh, and now they are starting to see snow, a bit of normality. Yeah. But what that means is that they didn't use the sort of gas um, uh, supplies that were available. Yeah. They weren't required to the level of extent that people thought they might have been. Yeah. So I think gas supplies towards the back end of Jan, we're about 75%. Mm. So that is, if we look at historic averages, very, very high. Yeah. So not only is that buffeting them for this period, but it's also Pushing helping forward, when you're looking on. forward. So looking at sort of forward uh, prices of gas, that has reduced substantially as well. Why does that matter? Well, it means that people are paying less for their energy, yeah. which means that uh, prices are coming down and that the consumer is less hurt in the pocket. Makes so, sense. So recessions out there, probably, definitely, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, likely. Um, 
I think IMF did come out and say a global recession was getting less likely, but yeah. a few developed markets may get away with it. Yes. Um, but places like the US, probably, right? Yeah. More than likely. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I wouldn't say definitely, but it's yeah more than likely. Uh, but the Fed could still potentially engineer a situation where that doesn't happen. But So go back to that phrase that we said, you know, economy's having a bad year this year. Um, markets less likely to, or to have a, a better year than last year, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so without giving away all your secrets at what you, what you do at QC, is there, is there any key indicators that you're looking for this year that point towards markets turning? I mean, we've seen an incredible January, but is there anything that you're looking at from a data point of view or that's coming from your analysis for markets turning the corner and starting a more sustainable recovery than the insane amounts of volatility that, that we've seen? Or, or has that already happened? I don't know. Yeah, I think... I think what we're now in is a market, maybe not so much last year, but what we're in now is a market with volatility that, it, that is actually, if you look at the long-term average, fairly normal. Um, okay. I think we were spoiled with interest rates at all-time lows and there's so much liquidity in the market. Volatility, I wouldn't say evaporated, but it was it subsided dramatically. Yeah. In terms of looking forward, I think volatility is probably here to stay, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Okay. I think volatility gives active managers like us an opportunity to sort of get exposures to the right areas at attractive levels. And do we believe we're, we're out the woods yet? No, no we don't. Mm-hmm. I think that we, we could definitely maybe test the lows that we saw last year. Right. But we have to look at data points as they come to us. Yeah. Um, we, we can't take with any definite bets on where we will be in three to six months. I mentioned it earlier on. You know, the Fed thought that inflation was going to be transitory yeah. this time last year. It clearly wasn't. So what we have to look at is is, is the data points you mentioned. Yeah. That what do we look at? To be honest, everything. Yeah, uh, that's not just me looking at everything. <laughs> uh, it's it's our it's our team, our chief investment officer, our chief investment strategist. We're having daily calls with our with our analysts mm. with, with both of those uh, gents as well. So we've got a plethora of information out there. Okay. It can be quite tough to sort of look through it all. Yeah. But we're very fortunate at QC that we do have that sort of Big small investment. army behind us yeah. uh, to, to give us that support. But um, because, yeah, I wouldn't like to be doing this all uh, on, on my own. On your own, own for no sure. Way. No, and, and, and that kind of plays into the, to my next point. And you just did mention, then, you know, QC are active managers, right? You, you as an investment manager are looking at things in the market that you can go and buy at good value and how you can yeah. obtain growth and, and you're not just buying the market per se. And it's one of the things that, again, I'll refer back to, to our conversation with Jabir a few weeks ago, where he mentioned that, you know, active management is going to have a key role to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be interested just to hear how the team at QCR kind of navigating the playing field when it comes to asset classes, yeah. um, right? You know, I mean, bonds and equities both going in the same direction at the same time last year, or your all-time highs. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, we've not seen for almost a decade commodities that have gone through the roof through, due to kind of inflation. The 60-40 portfolio last year, well, got smashed yeah. um, to pieces and had its worst year on record ever. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts when it comes to asset allocation? How are you, how are, you, know, how are you guys managing that? And I know there's certain members of your team that like certain yes, asset classes yeah. and, and yeah. you all have your strengths and weaknesses. What's your mm-hmm. thoughts? I mean, you, you've highlighted the, the, the reason why active management uh, is very, very key uh, in just what you're in, in the question you've asked there. You know, you're talking about bonds and equities going the same direction, oil at all time highs, commodities doing well. 
that is the reason why we need to be active in certain markets. Mm. I mentioned before that you know the markets essentially move from left to right in an upwards trajectory altogether. Yeah. Because there, it, it was the the classic Tina. There is no alternative. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was just flooding in. Everyone became investment professionals. Yeah. When the apple cart was essentially tipped over with inflation and interest rates rising um, and a slowdown in, in economic growth, that's when things start to become a bit irregular. Mm. Uh, so you need to make sure that you've got the right exposures in the portfolio. Uh, and, and we have been quite active. I mean, last year, throughout the course of last year, we probably placed more trades in, in clients' portfolios than we had done for, for several years. Really? They aren't big bets and big mm. swings, but even small little trims mm. um, made a big difference last year. Now, okay. just to give an example on that, we all know how well growth had done. When I say growth, we talk about the big tech companies. Yeah. Did phenomenally well coming out of, of, of COVID. I mentioned the boom that the likes of Amazon, Zoom, et cetera, had. Mm. Uh, and, and they did well, but they got very much ahead of themselves yeah. to valuations that we just couldn't really understand. Um, yeah. And it was came really as no surprise that they were hit the hardest when yeah. interest rates started to, to rise. So we had to be quick. It wasn't easy. You know, we, we tried to take out that sort of emotional uh, investing. We yeah. tried to remove that as much as possible. It's not nice to trim things that aren't at the peak where yeah. you had been before, but you need to always look forward in the market. Sure. So we need to make sure we got the right exposures. You talk about the 60-40 uh, asset allocation last year. You're right, that, that's sort of blown out the water. <laughs> yeah. And really, we look at last year as a little bit of a reset, a okay. little bit of a fixed income reset, bringing it back down to levels that now become attractive. They have a place in the portfolio, we believe, now looking ahead, yeah. especially if a recession was to come. Mm -hmm. you know, people will flood to government debt. Yeah. So there is an attractive value there now. They are providing an income uh, from where we are, from the sell-off that came mm. last year as well. So. It's ever-changing. I mentioned we talk to the analysts daily. We are. Yeah. Uh, stock news comes out. Some might disappoint. We might change our thesis on the stock. So it is an ever-changing world. And gone of the days, unfortunately, over the last five years, you we could buy an ETF, right? buy the market, and it would go up. That, that's gone now. Well, I, um, this is a question I get asked quite a lot as a, as a planner in front of people and kind of mm -hmm. doing the education piece. Broadly speaking, yes. very broadly speaking, but... I guess why, I think the question is, why does asset allocation become so important to an investor? Because if you look over, again, broadly looking over time, equities typically have done the best, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, yep. In terms of giving a net return to clients, um, post-inflation figures, equities will give you the best return. Mm -hmm. um, and so why not just have a portfolio that then just is based off of equities and the different sectors of equities like mm -hmm. value like growth like um momentum whatever whatever you want yeah, to yeah. badge it with i mean why why not just do that why why consider other asset allocations yeah, yeah. It, it's a good point you make but um and I, I, it's a big but uh, <laughs> we we have to consider the client's circumstances and, and you know if we look over time yes equities have performed well but mm. we need to achieve a good degree of diversification for, for a large majority of our clients yeah now if we look over time you're right equities have done well if you look very very long term sure 
But that equity performance will ebb and flow between, um, or sorry, when I say equity performance, asset class performance will ebb and flow. And there will mm. be periods where actually bonds can provide you a very good return. Yeah. Last year was a year that neither bonds or equities provided a good return. And it was the alternatives and commodities that provided that solid sure. return uh, across the course uh, of last year. But y- y- your question's a great point. You can achieve that level of diversification, and we do do that. Yeah. Different sectors, different geographies, um, different styles, value, growth, yeah. et cetera. But that does come with a big degree of risk as well that the equity uh, investor will be faced with. Some investors don't like that and they they don't want to see that. They want to see that stable return, which we we believe we achieve quite well by by that diversification benefit. Yeah, I think, and and for me, you've hit the nail on the head there. It is that diversification. And, um, you know, we can never predict the future. We never know what's going to happen if... um, if we did, well, I probably wouldn't be sat here today with you. I'd be retired, right? Um, but I think it's just about having more winners than losers yeah. at the end of, end of the day. And when it comes to a financial planning point of view, a lot of the time what we are managing is liquidation events. And I, and I this is probably one of the biggest things I talk about is yeah. when do you want this back, right? When do you want this money back out? Or when do you need some? Or when do we need to start turning on income? And that's why asset allocation becomes so important yeah. because you've got that diversification mm-hmm. across asset classes. Not all things will do well together, yeah. right? Um, not all things will do badly no. together as we saw exactly. last year. And if people did need in- income from last year, mm-hmm. then having exposure to commodities and um, oil and gas and all that kind of stuff yeah. would have meant that you would have been able to come out of the market yeah. at a good value yeah. and being able to draw down on that money without having to crystallise potentially huge exactly. losses, right? Exactly. And it's, it's a great point. I mean, last year is a brilliant case in point of this, that the UK market did phenomenally well. Yeah. So the UK market was a standout market for global global markets. Yeah. So and I, we had a few clients, a few commentators questioning, why didn't I have more exposure to the UK? Well, hindsight's a brilliant thing yeah. in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone will be your biggest critic, exactly, right, when looking exactly. back. But, but what we do in that scenario, and it feeds into this question lovely and, and, and supports diversification, if you look back for the past three, four years, the UK market is still lagging yeah. relative to sort of where we were. It's flat, right? It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's basically flat from mm-hmm. where we were sort of pre-COVID, maybe slightly higher. Um, so it's just highlighting that, look, things will ebb and flow. As the investment landscape changes, so will the performance of, of the underlying assets. And that's mm. where it comes key for us as active managers to make sure that those portfolios are exposed to the right areas, right regions, right asset classes yeah. to benefit from that changing environment. You, you, a great point you mentioned as well is, is requirements that, that, that clients might have. And yeah. income is, is a great one to use. They can now achieve that with some really boring but very attractive fixed income portfolios that we're we're putting together. So uh, I've got a colleague in Jersey, he's our investment sort of fixed income specialist in Jersey, uh, and he's come to life again. (laughs) He's come to life again. And it's been great to see because, you know, he's having fantastic conversations, creating some really amazing portfolios that are are fairly low risk, but they're matching liabilities that these clients have in the future with some pretty secure uh, options there as well. So different asset classes are coming back to life again. Perfect, Ollie. I think, you know, it just demonstrates the importance of proper financial planning, having that communication, that relationship with financial planners and, and underlying investment managers. And only a few weeks ago, no doubt, you'll probably remember, Ollie, as you, as you oh, do yeah. listen to I, my I podcast. One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kid. But, um, you know, we did, a, we did a podcast on the different ways um, 
money can be managed from an investment point of view. And I highlighted, you know, the role of investment managers like QC often do and can work alongside financial planners like me. And, mm-hmm. and as many of my clients know, um, how well we work together as a team, right? Yep. Um, but we have clear roles and responsibilities Definitely. to play for that client. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also really important. Um, Ollie, I know your time is precious. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks, Tom. And cheers, thanks, everyone, mate. for listening. Thank you very much. Thanks to all cheers. our listeners out there. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Expat Investor. This was recorded on the 8th of February 2023 and all information was correct at the time of recording. As always, this podcast is for educational purposes only and it is not a personal recommendation. If you're unsure what's right for you, you should seek advice. Past performance isn't a guide to the future and investments rise and fall in value so you could get back less than what you invest. Have a great day, guys. Take care.